extraordinary experience. And one of the things I came to realize with absolute delight is that only one-third of the church is made up of whites or Anglos. That the Church of the Nazarene is over two-thirds African, Asian. It's, it's an amazing makeup of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like everywhere we go. I grieve with Dr. Martin Luther King who said in the 60s that the most segregated hour of the week is 1045 on Sunday mornings. And I'm making a plea to you. As I look out across this congregation today, this chapel, I am, I am looking into the face of the hope for the future that I, I love to see because I see that this is not a monolithic group of people in this place. And I'd like to make a call to you today. I'd like for you to join me in walking out into the church, into the communities, into the places where our churches are located, and begin to allow the church to spill out into the community and be in the community the representation that the kingdom of God has indeed come, and we are to colonize the kingdom in all of its glory and its display in every place we are, and in doing so, we are to attack the systems that break down the relationships between people that God has already always intended. I love the Great Commission in the book of Matthew six, uh, 28, 16 through 20. When Jesus came to the disciples and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations is translated. But, but in the Greek there, it says, pentata ethne, 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 the, the derivative from which we get the word ethnic. And the, the language there, while it could be legitimately translated nations in one sense, in another sense, it must be understood to be peoples, all the peoples of the, of the globe. You and I are to be after peoples, all peoples, everywhere, every kind, every race, every culture. That is the work of the church of Jesus Christ. We have no right to sit in our enclaves, whatever they may be. But we have a responsibility to wade out into the deep water and into the awkward conversations, into the hard places. Do you realize that if you follow God, you will be in places that are very uncomfortable? If you follow God, it is never a promise that it will be safe and easy. If you follow Christ, it will at times be dangerous to your own self-satisfaction. It'll cause you to have to get out beyond your safety zone and get engaged with people and systems that desperately need to see the kingdom of God at work. You and I must know that we can never do this in our own strength and just because of some sort of social desire. Our only hope for doing this is with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit living in us and living through us and empowering us to take not a social vision but a kingdom vision of what the world should be like. We are supposed to be preparing this place for Christ's return. I think the work that you and I need to do is going to take a lot more than just sitting in church and praying that it'll get better. What are you doing? What will you do to help the church walk out into the face of great need, great division, great alienation? I hear a lot about racial reconciliation. My own personal conviction, and I heard it said by uh, one of the black leaders in Kansas City last year, we talk about reconciliation, but what is there to 
reconciled when there has not been conciliation in the first place. What we're talking about is something fundamentally new and created by the very fact that we have a vision from God that all people belong to Christ, all of them, and that our responsibility is to wade out into every culture with grace literally flowing out of our hands, out of our mouths, and able to take us into the risky, dangerous places that are not always going to be fun. There are three things I think are required. One is an absolute openness to the creative leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing a few churches here and there that have gotten it. A few places where churches have, rather than move to the enclave, to the suburbs, have decided to stay where they are and to create a new reality in that community by becoming a part of the community, inviting the community to become a part of the church. And that kind of openness that says, if there is a need, that's why we're here. We've got to look out with new eyes. Leonard Sweet says that if we want to really see things the way Jesus sees them, we'll have to see them from a cross that we'll have to see them with that same kind of suffering love that gazes out into brokenness and says, that's why we're here. We wade into the darkness. And we don't wade into it to make war. We wade into it to wage peace, to bring the peace of Christ into the broken places. Folks, you don't have to look far to see the broken places. Many of us live in the middle of the broken places, and we go to our churches to hide, and we have no business hiding in the church. The church has got to be out in the broken places with the grace of God flowing out of our hands. We've got to be open. We've got to be open to one another. We've got to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to help us create safe spaces for tough conversations. It'll never be easy to have conversations like this. My, my next door neighbor was African American until uh, about six months ago and the African American family moved out and a gay couple moved in. In some ways it was probably a little easier for me to have the conversation with the African American family. They were in our home, we were in theirs. But I find myself pushed, nudged, challenged by the Spirit to be open to opportunities for conversation that open up the kind of dialogue that doesn't have me bringing in condemnation and saying to them, to them I can hardly wait till you get what God, God's got for you. But being willing to say to them, I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to come to know you deeply enough that I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that I love you and allow that openness to conversation to begin to work. We've got to be, we've got to be honest. I think sometimes the, the kind of honesty that is required is uh, frightening to us. We've got to be honest about how we are willing to face racism. Uh, 
racism, as I, as I wrote in that Facebook blog, racism is, is a part, a manifestation of the destructiveness of sin. Dividing people on the basis of race, color, language, culture. Dividing people on the basis of immigration status misses the point of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are here for everyone. And out of the context from which I come in the uh, years that I grew up in the Deep South, racism in the church is a failure of holy love. It misses the point of what we call the doctrine of entire sanctification. If my heart has been truly transformed, how can I look at anyone as something less? Now, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and that passage we heard read from the Gospel of Matthew, that, that, that whole passage talks about how we are to see everything from the standpoint of the kingdom of God being brought to earth, that uh, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that we forgive those who have trespassed against us. We forgive our debtors as we do so, then our own forgiveness is brought to the fore, and we're able to fully, at that point, receive the grace of God, a forgiving grace of God that changes us and enables us to pour that grace out in others. But it takes an honesty to acknowledge that the brokenness in the world around us, especially here in the U.S., which at times has claimed to be a Christian nation, not sure that's ever been an appropriate description, but it claims to have been a Christian nation. If that is in any sense true, then we have to be Christian enough to wade into that darkness of brokenness, of alienation, of separation from races and cultures. And we've got to be honest enough to know that the church is responsible for much of the brokenness today. Not an easy thing to say. Not an easy thing for me to say. I was a pastor for 28 years. I served in administration for 17 years. I traveled the world for those 12 years. I, I love the church. I love it with all of my heart. I, I, I give my life for the church. But I've also got to be honest enough to say the church sometimes is blind to its own responsibilities to be the lived-out presence of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, bearing His love forward into our communities and addressing the systems that are broken. We've got to be honest. But not only do we need absolute honesty, there's got to become a moment when we are willing to be absolutely obedient to what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. I don't know about you, but I find it awfully easy at times to justify the fact that while God has given me light on this or that, I haven't had time to put it into place. I can't claim lack of time when men and women 
are dying because our systems are broken. I'm, I'm moved and grateful that in response to what has happened in Haiti with the storm with Matthew and Cuba and, and in the Bahamas and in Florida and the U.S., that there will be a massive outpouring of compassion. We'll send money. Teams will volunteer. I've seen it happen. I was in jurisdiction in New York City when 9-11 occurred saw the massive outpouring of, of support and help. Uh, four years later, I was, the, the four years to the week after I was in New York City, following up on some of the work that we were doing there and trying to help just review it and coordinate it as best I could in my responsibility. I was on the coast of Mississippi and Louisiana, the aftermath of Katrina, the outpouring of of love, the outpouring of compassion, the outpouring of concern was overwhelming. It was massive. It was exciting. And people gave liberally and sacrificially. I am praying to God that somehow a wave of concern, a wave of obedience to God, a wave of compassion through the Spirit enabling us to wade out into our communities where we will begin to address those systems of injustice, those systems of economic instability, those, those systems that are broken down in many of the communities in our cities where black men are being killed by white police officers who in many cases are literally terrified when what we need is the compassion of Jesus Christ for the church to wade into those places with a kind of compassion that says we're going, to, we're going to work together here. We can't weigh it in with a superiority that we can fix this because none of us can fix it by ourselves. It's going to take a long obedience, said Eugene Peterson, in the same direction. It's going to take patient conversation, deep listening, long-term investment in relationships that we will not let die. Because this is the grace that God has poured into our lives. I talked about my son, Jim. He was rearranged. Every habit was broken. His, his life was so turned upside down that he, he, was, he was healed in ways that I don't even, I'm the professional, I'm supposed to be able to tell you how this works. It exceeds every category I have. But one of the things I'm seeing in Jim now that he's out and clean and working and serving in the church, deeply embedded in the church, is Jim's absolute conviction that something has to change. We've got to get into the community. We've got to get into relationships with cultures and races that we may not be comfortable with, but we've got to get to know them in order that we might get to really genuinely love them and do something about where they are with enough passion and with enough conviction and with enough investment and enough sacrificial love that we can walk away knowing that God has changed things. I love the hope I see in this place. 
you're relating to one another here on the campus. You're spending time together. I hope you're spending time across all the cultural boundaries. I hope you're listening to one another. I hope you're talking to one another. I hope you're talking deeply enough and consistently enough that you begin to really hear one another and you hear what is in the very deepest part of the lives of those who in many cases have been shuffled off to the perimeters because they're the wrong color. We've got to do something to make that commission of Jesus, pintata ethne, to all the ethnicities. Go make disciples of all of them. Let us all be a part of this multicultural kingdom of God. But we can't do this in our own strength. We've got to do it with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit living in the committed lives of people who say, this is more than just a pipe dream. This is life for me. This is my ministry. This is my life. And from this point forward, I will follow and pour out grace that makes a difference. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray that somehow someone in this room will become so fixed on what God is doing that you're willing to say whatever it takes with the help of God we are going to make a difference does it mean we forget about evangelism no evangelism has to lead the way the whole point is to bring everyone into Christ. Make them a part of this kingdom to colonize the earth with the kingdom of God. Preparing it for His great return. That is why we're here. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for the privilege of being in a place like this with the beauty of the fellowship that can be enjoyed on a campus like this at this time in our, in our nation, in our world. Thank you for ENC and what it represents. But, oh God, my prayer today is that the grace you're pouring into the lives of every one of these students and faculty will be a grace that will not just be held on to and enjoyed, but will be a grace that is poured through us in such a way that we will make a difference in our world. Oh, Spirit of God, may from this place there come a movement of your grace that breaks out in the U.S. and around the world to colonize the earth with the kingdom of heaven. We pray it all in the strong and matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.